Welcome to the Simply Resilient Podcast, episode number 97, Resiliency Training, Money Beliefs, week one. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Resiliency Training Week One. This month, we are talking about money beliefs, and I'm so excited to talk to you about this because I love money and I love talking about money. And I think one reason why I get so excited to talk about it is because so often people don't like to talk about money. They want to, money can feel very private to people, they want to keep it to themselves. Uh, we can feel shame around money. Money can feel very powerful. It's easy to have like scarcity around money. So there's kind of like a lot of reasons why we don't always like to talk about money. And I think it can be really valuable and really helpful to just get this conversation started. And one of the best ways to do that is to get coached on money. So I really love it when my clients come to a call wanting to talk about money, or sometimes I will suggest that and they'll say, oh yeah, like another time, you know, and I'll try to, I'll like gently bring it up again. Like, let's, let's get into your relationship with money. Let's run some models on uh, your goals about money, you know, and, and they, when they come through and they like open up in that way and let me see it, that part of their brain, so much to be gained from that. I mean, money is an amazing tool and it can do so much for us but we tend to be almost like a little afraid of it or just wanting it to almost want to like ignore it. There's, there's, there's a lot going on there and, and it's different reasons for everybody, but that's again, another reason why it's so great and valuable to be coached on money. So we're going to talk about it this month, uh, th this week specifically, we're just talking about your relationship with money in general. And this month, we're going to get into a few specific components when it comes to money and getting coached on money. But I just know that you guys are going to love this. I know it's really going to wiggle some space in your brain to think about money in a new way, to open up to thinking about money more, to maybe talking about money more. And again, I'm not saying you have to like go tell everybody all your money thoughts or all of your money facts. Like we don't always tell everyone how much we earn or how much money we have or how much we have saved for retirement. Some of that can feel very private, but I do want to challenge you to be willing to talk about it just a little more. Again, not like oversharing, but just a little more flexibility, a little bit less privacy. And also to just check in with your feelings about like why it can feel like a, almost like a hot topic or a dangerous topic. Because then often we'll reveal, like we'll peel back some layers and we'll be like, oh, I feel some shame here. Oh, I feel some scarcity here. And let's clean that up a little bit. So today I wanna run a model with you guys to just get you thinking on your own about your relationship with money. And in this email that you got today, I've linked to some amazing podcast episodes that I highly recommend you go listen to so that you can just keep this conversation going, even if it's just with yourself right now, that's totally fine. And in our session that we have this month, I would love to talk to you about money, but again, not necessary. I want to do it when you're ready. So even if I may maybe like push a little bit, I never want you to like feel like you have to do anything. This is your like guided program. So um, definitely get into those podcast episodes and start doing in your self-coaching start doing some thought downloads about money and then pull some thoughts out of those thought downloads to run models on to take a look at it. So I'm going to run an example model for you here just to kind of get you started. 
And as you know, when we talk about models and when we talk about it in this kind of context, there's two ways to take a look at your relationship with something. And, you know, this month specifically, we're talking about money and you can look at your relationship with money in a really kind of general broad way, just to start to kind of crack it open. And as you start that, you'll find some deeper, more specific thoughts probably that you can run in models, which will be really productive. But you can also do kind of the thought download on just your broad general relationship with money and then really start with, just start right with the specific models. Because it tends to be that the more specific we can get with a model, the more clarity we get. And one reason that we hesitate to get quite specific with a model, and when I say specific, what I mean is a very specific circumstance. And then what am I thinking about that very specific circumstance? And then, you know, build a model from there. And one reason we can be a little bit hesitant to go specific, even like right from the start with a model is because we're afraid we're going to like narrow in too fast and miss things or we're afraid that, uh, not afraid, afraid might be the wrong word, but we're just hesitant to do it because we are worried that um, if there's, you know, four or five areas in money that I want to talk about, how will I know which one I should start with? Or maybe I'll start with this one, but it's not even quite as important to me as this one. Um, so we're just kind of afraid of doing it wrong. We're worried about missing, you know, some important, you know, piece of it all. But what I always tell my clients and what I have to remind myself in my own self-coaching is that focusing in on any one piece is going to give you like awareness and clarity in all the pieces. It is so fun. And you don't have to worry. Like you're going to worry. You're going to say like, well, which one do I start with? Any of them. Pick one and just go for it. So that's what I'm going to always recommend is that you get as specific as possible, as quickly as possible. But if you're wanting to be general for a little bit, just do a nice big general thought download and then grab out a specific thought and say, let's take a look at this one slice and see if I can get some clarity on this and, and start to make some headway in this area. So I hope that makes sense and gives you a little bit of confidence as you go to decide what you're going to run your own models on. And that same kind of concern will come up when people are trying to decide what to get coached on. This marker is not very strong. I'm going to switch markers. Uh, when they come to a session, they'll say, oh, I'm not sure, you know, I could get coached on this or this, but I just give my clients that same reassurance that there's no like unproductive model to run. This is going to look a little funny, but I'm just wanting it to be stronger so you guys can for sure see it. And that other marker was not as good. So taking a look at your brain is just pretty much always productive. So don't let that stop you ever. You could be worried about it, but then just reassure yourself, like no matter where I go or no matter what I decide to take a look at, it will be productive and then it will be. So that's really exciting. Okay. So the example that I'm going to run for you today is as always an example from my own brain. So when I did a thought download on money, before I get any further, I, I meant to tell you this at the beginning, but I forgot. I just want to tell you a little bit about my history with money and my relationship with money, just to give you some context of where I'm coming from uh, in this, you know, like in this model and in, in these videos, but also in my um, ability to coach people on money. So I always tell people that I have like money in my blood. I was raised by an accountant who was raised by an accountant. So my, my dad and his dad were both accountants. And what was cool about that is it just really set up this money foundation for me where uh, money was just talked about and it was all very calm and factual and um, just 
no drama with money. Now I'm not saying that I never have drama around money, but that was just my, like the biggest, uh, the majority of my exposure to money, like growing up was just, you know, this is how we make money decisions. And this is information about money and information about our money. And this is how we budget. And here's how we save. And um, the money's there, the money isn't there. And it was all just talked about really quite easily and um, very factually. And that was really great. And I didn't know that wasn't going on in like everyone's families. And one day my friend, we were, at, you know, at the mall or something shopping for school clothes. And I just said something like, oh, well, I only have uh, 40 more dollars in my clothes budget through the end of the year or something. I, I can't quite remember, you know, the details, but she was just like, what are you even talking about? You know, so in my family, it was like we had a family meeting on Sundays and we would review the family budget. And, you know, my dad would show like, okay, so, you know, make sure you're aware that, you know, this piece of the budget is getting a little low here. We've got plenty here, like in the vacation budget. So let's plan something, you know, it was just all very talked about. And we were all really in the know, probably not about everything, but what pertained to the family we were in the know on. And I remember my friend just being like, I have, I don't even know. It's like I was speaking a foreign language to her. She just didn't have any awareness of what was going on in her family finances. So that was kind of, I remember that memory of just, that was my first exposure to like, oh, not everyone's family does it the way my family does it. And that's totally fine. Um, but it was just interesting. It's interesting to see that a lot of people tend to add, again, like I talked about in the beginning, just kind of that privacy and secrecy around money and uh, they're worried if they like have a lot of money that they're bragging or arrogant. And if you don't have a lot of money, you're kind of like stressed about people that do like maybe people with a lot of money aren't nice or they did something, you know, not ethical to like have so much money or, you know, we just have a lot of thoughts and feelings around money. And even on a, just a way simpler level, we often add a lot of drama to what money means, what it means about us, what it means about our, you know, our options and our future and the world around us. Like we just tend to, with our human brain, add a lot of thoughts and drama about money. So that's where the model comes in as always. And it helps us just say like, okay, here are the facts about money. And here is the thought I'm adding to it. Here's what I'm making that fact mean, you know, and then here's what I feel when I think that here's what I do when it comes to money from feeling that this is what that that feeling fuels this action and then here's the result that I'm getting in my life when it comes to money and uh one thing I, I recently recorded a podcast episode about money uh that I linked to in this email but one thing that we're used to thinking about when it comes to money is the action line that's I mean and really not even when it comes to money when it comes to anything we're really used to noticing the action line making decisions based on the action line looking at our past like our past action line, looking at other people's action lines and thinking about our future action line. We're just pretty practiced at being able to identify the action line. And the action line is so important. And I'll finish telling you my history just a little bit, and then we'll come back to this action line concept. Um, let me just say, so I, I kind of grew up with that foundation around money. Money always interested me. I enjoyed kind of nerding out about money, like learning how to do my taxes without tax software. You know, I had my dad teach me that. And now that's how I do my taxes, even though I totally could use TurboTax or whatever. I just like solving money puzzles. I like making it all work. I like, you know, all of that. So then in college, when I was working on my bachelor's degree, 
I was trying to figure out what I wanted to major in, what I wanted to do when I grew up, what I wanted to do with my future. I knew that money, I wanted money to be a part of it. And so I, you know, I looked into being an accountant and that didn't really light my fire, but I found this cool program at the school that I attended, which was Brigham Young University in Provo, Utah. And I could do, my major was in home and family living. And then within that major, I could pick an emphasis. And so I picked the emphasis of finance within that major. And so what was very cool about that major was that it was basically learning how to run almost like a household slash small business. So that felt very applicable to the future I was headed into because I was excited to start a family but I have this businesswoman in me that I knew, you know, I'm an entrepreneur and I knew I would be doing that aspect of it too. And then I loved money. So I could bring the money in with that emphasis in finance. And so I got to take a ton of fun classes and very interesting and rewarding classes along with, you know, accounting classes and business classes, but I didn't have to, because I didn't major in accounting or major in business, I didn't have to take like so many of those classes. I was able to get a nice variety while still getting a lot of my interests in there. So that ended up being just the perfect fit for me. And that's what I have my bachelor's degree in. And I, I graduated in 2006 within, you know, the next four or five years, I got my family started. I was actually side note, I was actually like nine months pregnant at my graduation, my college graduation. So that was pretty funny. But as uh, so, she was born uh, basically a week later. And uh, anyway, I got my family started and was always just kind of keeping my eye out for what I was going to do next. I was really happy being a mom, but I, again, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. And so I'm always keeping my eye open for those kinds of opportunities. And I did start a business. I started Squeaky Shoes for Tiny Tots, which was a lot of fun. Um, but and while my family was living in Alabama, and I, I talk about this in more detail on the podcast episode that I linked to, so go listen to that, but I will just tell it to you quickly. Uh, while my family was living in Alabama, I became aware of this program to become an accredited financial counselor. And one reason that it came into my awareness is that they were uh, talking about it, saying that there's a, a, a grant for military spouses available. So they would pay for me to do this program. And I thought, what another cool piece to put into this puzzle of whatever it is I'm going to do next is to have this accreditation and just be that much more, you know, experienced and have that much more expertise and be that much more employable in this financial field that I'm hoping to bring into my life in some way at some point. So I applied, I didn't get in or I didn't get the grant and uh, I waited like I think a year and applied again. And this time I did get the grant and participate in that program. And it was phenomenal, such a fantastic program that I actually was not able to complete for a couple of important reasons that I go into in the podcast. So go listen to that to get that full story. But all of that to be said was I realized in uh, studying and practicing to become a financial counselor that it didn't really light me up either. And I was confused because I knew I loved money and I knew I loved to talk to people about money. And I knew I loved to like do my own money and nerd out about money things. And I just, I loved it all. And I knew it was unique that I liked talking about money and, and all these things, but I just couldn't quite figure out what I was going to do with it. So that led me to when life coaching came into my um, awareness, I was like, this is it. This is what I want to do. I want to talk to people about money in this way. So as a financial counselor, which they are so important and there's, it's like an amazing job and we all need financial counselors. You really do talk a lot about the action line and that's totally fine because we need someone to say, here's what you need to do with your money. 
here's what, how you budget. Here's how you like, we need all of that. We need the action line so much, but I just want to be the one who comes in a little bit before that, because I always start with the thought, you know, that, and the thought leads us to this productive action line. So I almost want you to work with a life coach and a financial counselor so that you're getting a ton of help here and a ton of help here so that you can have someone work with you on your relationship with money and your thoughts about money and someone else who is an expert at what to do with your money. Cause even though I do know what to do with your money, that's just not the part that I get super excited about, but it is a necessary part. So I wanted to clear all that up because I have a lot of, I know a lot of financial counselors and I wanted to be one. They, it's an awesome occupation, but I just, what gets me excited are the thought is the thought line. So that's what, that's why life coaching is so perfect for me because I love to talk to people about the thing before the action. Okay. So we're going to, so back to all of that now being said, I'm going to run a model from my own life that uh, I discovered in my self-coaching probably uh, maybe about two years ago. And it has been so cool to be aware of it, understand it. So I can see how it plays out in my financial health and in my relationship with money and, and finances. So we, at the time had set a big savings goal and it doesn't really matter what it is, but you could get pretty specific up here. I'm just going to write savings goal. And you could say, you know, goal to save a certain amount of money within a certain time frame. That's what a savings goal is. And we were struggling to achieve it. And I was getting frustrated and I wanted to take a look inside my brain and figure out why we were struggling to achieve it, why I was feeling frustrated and what was going on. So I did some self-coaching. I did a thought download on our savings goal and on some of my frustrations and the struggle and how it felt like it wasn't working. And it felt like it wasn't going to work. Like it wasn't super possible to, to accomplish this savings goal. And the thought that I discovered, and you remember when you're building your model that you can you might know exactly how you're feeling, but not other pieces. You might know exactly what you're doing, but not other pieces. So you can start anywhere in the model. This one I am going to build pretty much from top to bottom, but just the first piece that came to my awareness, besides, you know, I did know that I was feeling a little frustrated, but I was able to reveal the thought, the main thought that I had about our savings goal. And that was something like, I'm just write it out here for you quickly. There's always like only ever, this is a little bit complicated, but this is how it played out in my brain. There's always only ever just enough money. So what this means is a couple other ways to say this, because that's just how it works in my brain, but that's not a super simple sentence and it's okay. It's just what I'm, this thought and this belief that I have around money is that there's never extra. So it's kind of an interesting thought because it's, it's kind of medium. It's not super negative. It's not super positive. Um, and it was creating actually some okay things for me, but then it was also hurting me in, in certain areas. And so what it was doing for me was I had a very strong belief that we always had enough money. So that was pretty powerful because whenever, you know, like a, maybe a bigger bill was coming or, you know, like a bigger credit card bill, or we were like needing to buy a car, I would think, well, we always have like enough for what we need and even for some things that we want. And so I knew I had a lot of, you know, belief and faith in my, in our family, my husband and I, and our family's ability to have the money that we needed. We always had the money that we needed, but where it kind of was this second piece that was cutting into me, trying to do something new with my money, trying to do something bigger, more, save more, do something extra with my money was that I really believed kind of this next sentence that I, I've mentioned is there's never any extra. So another thing that's interesting about taking a look at these thoughts is that 
our lower brain loves superlatives. Do you see this always and never? Superlatives are not, are, are pretty much hardly ever true. <laughs> I have to be careful not to use a superlative as I teach you about superlatives. So our lower brain wants us to think in extremes. It wants me to think there's never extra. I'm always going to do it. But that's, that's just almost, you know, hardly ever the case. So that when you catch these thoughts that you think pretty regularly and they have superlatives in them, that's a little bit of a red flag to be like, okay, this thought's coming from my lower brain and that's okay, but good to know. So I took it just one step further to like, there's never any extra. And again, I want to include here that it wasn't that we weren't, you know, doing some fun things. We, we definitely had our needs met and some wants, but I felt like I didn't have enough extra to try to do anything different than what we were ever doing with our money, right? Like, you know, each, maybe each year we could work out a couple of little trips or, um, you know, some fun outings and, you know, do a project on the house. Like we did have some for our wants, but I, we had set a big savings goal that, you know, it had like a five-year timeline and, and a lot going on with that. And, and my brain was really struggling to wrap my mind around this because here's what I was currently thinking and believing about wanting to do something brand new with our money like to interact with our money in a new way, because if there's only ever just enough and there's not any extra, then how can I possibly achieve this new big savings goal that would require us to interact with our money in a new way, whether that be spend a little differently, earn a little more, you know, different, different ways. That's all in the action line. And that's really important. But when I think these things, there's a couple of different things I feel. Um, and one, the one that I was really aware of, the feeling that I was really aware of was the frustration. But what I was really feeling was scarcity. And that comes up so much in money. So as I peeled back these layers, I could easily see my frustration and my thoughts that were creating frustration were just like, this isn't working. Or like, you know, maybe I had another thought that was like... Um, you know, discouraged or hopeless where I was thinking like, this won't work or how is this even possible? You know, I was thinking some of those discouraging thoughts or hopeless thoughts, but really I was able to see, like, I currently believe this, that this is how money works in my life, that I have enough, but never extra. And I, that creates a lot of scarcity for me. That makes me feel that scarcity and take action from scarcity. And then this feels impossible and like it would work for other people, but not for me. And like, I'd have to be a different person or live a different life or have totally different finances in order to accomplish this, because this is what I'm currently thinking about our finances. So once I realized that thought and got really clear on it and realized that it was creating scarcity for me, then I could see some of the actions that I was taking from scarcity. And before I put this piece in, I'll just tell you that the result, one reason why I wanted to look at this model was that I had this savings goal and we were, you know, maybe several months into it. And we were trying to set aside a certain amount each month for five years to accomplish this big thing we were trying to do. And so far, um, you know, maybe four or five months into it, we had yet to have a month where we had set aside the amount that we designated to set aside and knew from running numbers that we literally could, that we we had enough earnings and we could spend our money in a way that we should have, be able to have that much money um, that we'd be able to set aside. And so I think I'm going to say like four months, this was my current result, four months, not setting aside um, like goal money, savings goal money. So I had a lot of evidence 
that this was really true because I'm like, see, I was trying to set aside this money and it's not working. I haven't been able to so far. Different things have come up each month that has made it so we couldn't do that. And that just really compounded my belief that there's not extra money. There's always only ever just enough. So now that I'm clear on my thought and I'm clear on the feeling that it's creating for me and I am able to just observe the results that it's creating, I want to see what I'm doing. That what, what does scarcity cause me to do that um, is making this, is creating this result for me? So a couple of examples that I could see in my action line at this point, once I identified that scarcity was my fuel, was I started to see, okay, that when I'm feeling scarcity, my money decisions aren't actually going that well. So I would, we would, as a family, spend off plan. Another one that I saw myself doing was I would want to neglect my budget. So even though I knew staying very aware of my budget and working within my budget was the secret to having the money to set aside each month, when I was feeling, thinking this about money and feeling scarcity, that's when you kind of don't even want to look at your money. You're like, oh, hopefully, hopefully there'll be enough at the end of the month that I can set aside, but I'm not going to like pay attention to it throughout the month. I'm going to neglect it a little bit. So I would, I would neglect my budget and I would neglect knowing just like knowing my numbers. So I'm going to explain what that means. Sometimes I'm going to, I'm going to relate it to weight loss here for just a second. Sometimes when we're trying to lose weight and we eat off plan, right? Like spending off plan. Then we kind of don't like say, say we weigh ourselves every day to just keep track of like, okay, I'm trying to lose weight and I'm going to just keep track of my weight. And, and I need to know my numbers. I need to know where I started. I need to know where I'm headed. I need to know what I am, you know, maybe my weekly average. I need to know, you know, how many calories is my goal to consume? Like you just need to know your numbers if you're trying to lose weight and you'll know, you'll notice uh, this happens for me. I wonder if this happens for you, but that when you eat off plan, you don't want to know your numbers. You don't want to weigh in the next day because you think, oh, it's going to be up a pound. I'm going to beat myself up for eating off plan when really that's not even how weight loss works. That is, that is more how money works because money is even so much simpler than what's going on like inside our body and to lose, like what it takes to lose weight. There's so many chemicals and hormones and so many pieces to the body that is a lot more complex, but actually our numbers are just math. Our money is just math. It's so easy. It's just numbers. We add all the complication and the drama to it. But when I'm feeling scarcity and then I do things like spend off plan, I'm also wanting to just like neglect my budget and neglect knowing my numbers. And, and just like, since there's only, you know, ever just enough, like I hope there'll be enough for my goal. Instead of being very involved and, and active in the work and the decisions that it would take on a daily basis to stick to the budget and have what I needed to set aside each month at the end of the month. So this, this right here is basically the main reason that we were not able to do it because, I mean, there's a few more pieces. Like I found myself like justifying, justifying money decisions, like anything that came up just felt like an emergency and I just had to do it. And here's why I had to do it. And, you know, even though it was off plan and, and things do come up that we have to do. But as I started to take a look at it, I was realizing like, it wasn't an emergency at all. I almost just turned it into an emergency. I turned it into, um, you know, I added that drama and then I just had to do it. I had to spend in this way. And, and it comes from this scarcity. So just the way I was interacting with my money was coming from this scarcity. And the reason I was feeling scarcity is because of the way I was thinking 
And when I think this, I create it for myself. So I know that this thought and result don't like mirror each other exactly. But basically when I create this for myself, I had enough discipline and enough understanding of my budget and my family's needs that I created that for myself. There was always enough to pay for the things we needed to pay for. But because of this thought, if there was extra, I would find ways to spend it that felt very important. So then I created there only ever being enough and no extra for these kinds of things, for big savings goals, for new results I'm wanting to create. This is just a really fascinating one for me. It really was really interesting to see because what you think you're doing is you think you're just observing your life and noticing. I just notice that there's always enough, but never extra. Like that could be like a fact. But as soon as you start to put it into the model and pull it apart and wiggle your brain and you realize like, in what way am I creating this? When I think this way, how do I feel? And what, what action does that feeling fuel? And how am I like justifying these money decisions where maybe, maybe there were 10 money decisions that I made in a month and they all felt super important and they spent up my extra money, right? And they all felt like emergencies, like there weren't choices there. But if I went back and analyzed them, I could see, okay, like two of these, you know, like, oh, we had to get a new washer because the washer broke. Like that would be, you know, typically pretty legitimate. Most of us would have a hard time functioning without a washer, but you know, you could go to the laundromat. But anyway, uh, so maybe two out of the 10 would be actually significant emergency needing to be done that were, you know, off plan. And the rest were justifications. The rest were like, oh, we didn't actually need to do that. That felt like an emergency at the time. But if I had just slowed all that down, and reminded myself of my big goal and that I, I know how to create extra or any, any other kinds of thoughts, then I could head towards feeling more abundant about money, knowing that there's always going to be enough and even extra for anything I'm trying to create. There's a lot of ways to take these thoughts that will just head you from scarcity towards abundance when it comes to money. And abundance is the secret. Oh, feeling abundant about money. It is the secret to having the most incredible relationship with money. And we think that we need a ton of evidence and a ton of things already in place in order to give ourselves permission to feel abundant about money. But that's what I really want you guys to start thinking about today as you just begin to take a look at your relationship with money, that you can give yourself permission to think thoughts that create abundance for you today, even if you have credit card debt, even if you don't get paid very much at your job, even if your checking account balance is really low. I promise you that if you begin to create abundance in your feeling line of your model by carefully thinking abundant thoughts, the actions will follow and you will create different results than if you indulge and stay in scarcity. Scarcity is creating scarce results for you. Abundance creates abundant results for you because you will take different actions when you feel abundant on a regular basis about money. So if you determine that you are feeling scarce about money or shame or some of those other things we talked about it is not a problem at all because the first step is always identifying it always getting that clarity and awareness around it so that you can start to just make gentle tweaks. I don't need you to go straight from scarcity to abundance, right? Or shame to confidence. And when it comes to money, that's often way too big of a jump, but I want you to just set your GPS for this new direction you're trying to head when it comes to money. 
start to really understand the thoughts you're thinking about money that are creating the feeling for you so that when they come up, you know how to answer them. You know how to guide them. You know how to create that intentional space in your mind where you're saying like, that's how I used to think about money. And I'm working on thinking and believing new things about money so that I can create new things about money, new results. And I want to, I want to improve my relationship with money. So I hope that that has helped you, gotten you a little bit excited for this topic. And we'll have more next week, of course. And just go, like I said, dive into those podcast episodes. And I would love to hear from you. If you have any questions about any of this, I would love to see your models or not. That's totally fine. Just whatever works for you in your current like abilities and interest and schedule. I'm here for you. And I look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks, you guys. Ready to take what you are learning here on the podcast to the next level? Then check out my new video course, Resiliency Training. This year-long course of weekly video classes is the perfect way to increase the efforts that you are already making when it comes to improving your deployment experience and making your mental health a priority. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life, and that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.